Hi, everybody. Welcome to the B2B Sales Podcast. I'm Skip Miller. And I'm Thibaut Suiris. Every two weeks, we're going to be interviewing thought leaders, experts, and top performers in B2B sales. And every other week, we'll share tactical tips and insights on how to start conversations, generate opportunities, and close deals faster. We're on a mission to change the way people see sales. As you know, sales is a profession that is one of the most rewarding ever. Yet people are afraid to try or really extend themselves. And this isn't really good. This podcast is brought to you by Sales Labs and M3 Learning. If you want to attend the recording of the podcast episodes and ask your questions to the guests, you can join the Selling Advantage community. It's a $25 a month subscription where you get access to a community of B2B salespeople, exclusive events, and tactical resources to help you close bigger deals faster. Join today and get one month for free at www.sellingadvantage.io. So get ready for your dose of sales wisdom, tools, and tactics, and enjoy the show. So hi, everyone. Welcome to this live workshop uh, we have with Tom and Skip. Tom and Skip, hello. Hello. Doing great. Drinking your coffee. Hey, everyone. Yeah. So uh, everyone, uh, tell us if you can hear us and see us. Um, I'm also going to share my screen to make sure that, uh, you know, we can, you know, you can see our screen. Oh. Okay. So if you could tell me, let me just move that here. Skip and uh, Tom, do you see the slides? Yeah. Yeah, okay. we see the slides. And people who are in the audience, do you also see the slides? Yes. So your gun works perfectly. Okay. Loud and clear. Perfect. Good. Thanks, Jack. So today we have, uh, you know, like so far 73 people. A lot of people are joining from all over the place, as you can see. Um, we're going to talk today about how to sell in a recession. Uh, a bit of homework or a bit of like rules for the for today. So we're going to have 45 to 60 minutes together. If you have any questions, drop them in the comments. We're going to have a, a part at the end where we're going to talk about, you know, these questions and answer these questions. And just make sure you stick to the end so we can actually answer all your questions. So uh, here's what we'll do today. We'll actually learn about what are the problems uh, you know, we typically hear about Tom and Skip uh, and I, we, you know, talk to a lot of VPs of sales, CROs, and these are the problems we typically hear about. We'll talk and Skip will talk about how to overcome your call resistance. Tom will then talk about how to find real customer problems. And I will finish with how to get decisions faster, which are three really important things and uh, three points we identified as critical uh, in selling into a recession. Uh, and we'll finish with the live Q&A at the end where we can really answer all your questions. Uh, about us quickly. So, uh, Tom, if you want to tell us quickly in two seconds who you are, what you're doing. Uh, Tom Lederay, I've uh, 22 years ago, we hired Skip to come work with our sales team. And I've been an M3 um, disciple since. So yeah. I coach in the Midwest and in the United States. Yeah, hi, I'm Skip. Uh, now in San Diego, M3, written a couple of books and and have some definite thoughts on how we should really work this whole buy sales process. Great, and I'm Thibaut Suiris. Uh, I actually went into a training session in Redwood City, uh, I think now it was four, three or four years ago. It was into a new job and the training session was uh, you know, done by Skip. And I remember after three hours, I was like, okay, I just started this new job, but I'm gonna have to quit because I'm, I wanna do what Skip is doing. And so, uh, you know, I, when I learned like, uh, all these tricks, all the things, you know, we, we've been working on. I was like, okay, that's really interesting. So I'm the VP international here at M3 and I do sales training mostly in EMEA uh, for M3 Learning. So now let's start with a quick poll. So what you can do is very simple. You're going to take your phone. Uh, for people who don't know how to use the QR code, I'm going to share a link. But what you can do is actually scan this QR code you see here. And you're going, to, you're going to tell us what are the sales problems that you're currently faced with. So budgets are frozen, prospects do not reply with call outreach, senior executives aren't making decisions, getting high in the organizations is challenging, and deals are going ghost. So just go ahead, give us your answer over there. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to share the link. So people who don't know how to use a QR code, maybe they're still in 2022, will be able to answer that.
Okay. And they can reply to all of them too, right? If they're experiencing every one of those problems, right, Tibo? Yeah, absolutely. There's no limit in the amount of problem you can you can actually face. Deals right. are, deal are going ghost. Okay, that's really cool. And prospects don't reply to cold outreach. This is a very common thing. Okay, you can see. See, guys, I told you, uh, Skip and Tom is actually pretty fun to watch. So yeah. um, it's mesmerizing. Yeah. <laughs> So we have 41 people who uh, answered that. We're going to give it more 10 more seconds. 28. But yeah, prospects do not reply to call outreach and deals are going ghost. So this is very interesting. Skip, maybe if you want to tell us a bit more about the problems you see and maybe with these stats you've seen, so deals are going ghost and actually people not replying to call outreach, what are the typical issues you see right now? Yeah, thanks. Um Love the survey, and we'll, we'll share the results of the poll as well. Um, what's what's been fun is is listening to folks say, as we look at the second half of the year, you know, we've got some issues, challenges, different than the first half, right? Everybody in the last couple of days has been trying to make the second half, trying to make the second quarter, you know, head down, which is great. But but what are some of the problems we're hearing? Um, as people look at the second half, and again, you know, we're, we're a little skewed relative to talking to directors and VPs and CROs and stuff, but we also are talking to quite a few good senior salespeople, good senior AEs. And, and what we're hearing is getting high in the organization is still challenging. And it could be because they got a blocker, you know, my BTL is blocking me, or they're just not getting back to me. And, and we'll talk about that. Senior executives aren't making decisions right now. Um, I call this the big fallacy. Senior decision makers are making decisions. We're just not getting in, in line with with what's happening. We're, we're, we're on the outside looking in as opposed to trying to get on the inside. And, and deals are going ghost. And we fully believe that if a deal goes ghost in stages four or five, it's because we didn't do or did do something right or wrong in earlier stages. So let's kind of take a look at that next. So. I kind of summarize these problems to a topic called call resistance, all right? And, and let's talk about it, it, recession, slowdown, stagflation, whatever you want to call it, right? Today, right now, a prospect in your market is buying something from your competitor. Think about that. While you're worried about a recession, about things going to be tough and so on, you lost a potential sale. The business is out there. The business is out there. How are we going to get ours? How are we going to get what we have to stop coming up with the reasons why it's getting harder yeah. and start thinking of reasons why now is the ideal time for your customers to buy. I wrote a book years ago and called Knock Your Socks Off Prospecting. I was about halfway through and I threw it away. I restarted it because I figured prospecting outbounding is, is mostly about attitude as well as tactics and tools. Your attitude is going to really come across in your emails, your voicemails, your, your your conversations. So that's probably one of the first things you want to definitely take a check on is what's our attitude in this whole second half of the year going to be like next. Milton Freeman, uh, don't you love it, right? Recessions squeeze out the excess of the marketplace. All right, the low hanging fruit's gone. But accessibility to potential clients, if you think about it, is easier. It's less salespeople calling on calling on the right people. Everyone's now head down doing emails and direct mails and stuff. But actual trying to get to some decision makers, there's actually potentially less people doing that. When things are going well, the last thing a client wants to do is try something new. In a downturn, ATLs, senior executives, C-suite are screaming either to save money or make money. The key word here is change. They know they got to make a change. They can't do what they've done the first half of the year. They got to make a change. And change is, change is risky. Highlighting to the client how your product or service can help them with needed changes to revenue, cost, cash flow might be a topic you want to start introducing into some of your outbounding messages. And you definitely want to get to ATL during a downturn, the C-suite, all everybody's worried. So if you want to sum up 
it is all about risk and it is all about changes. What in your industries are changing? What's happening to the risk quotient of going uh, of the go-to-market model? Those are the things you want to start highlighting your messaging rather than here's who I am, here's what we do, and here's how I can actually, you know, help you increase, maximize, and improve. Sum it up from my standpoint, what do you do? Number one, get knowledgeable. What is changing in your customer's business? It's not good enough just know about the industry or, or what's happening. What's causing them to make changes for the next six months? C-suite ATLs are making changes. Changes are risky. They're, they're unsure. They'd like to get more sure. They'd like to mitigate some of their risk. How can you help me mitigate some of my risk as I realign resources? As I, you know, actually take my limited funds that I have now and apply them to certain areas. Is that the right move? Am I doing something wrong? Is there something out there I don't know? What's causing people to make changes and what are the outcomes they're expecting for the changes they're making? If you don't know this up front, you're not going to be invited to that ATL C-suite. You want to ask causing for change at every ATL meeting. Talk to everyone you know inside the customer company about the second half of the year. John, I've heard from Mary that, you know, this is happening in the second half of the year. What, what's going on with you? What's happening with you in the second half of the year? What are some of your changes? Where do you see your biggest challenges? Revenue and cost are secondary. Cash flow is king. The most important priority is cutting costs, increasing revenue. How does your offering, reduce inventory, increase the speed of collecting receivables, eliminate the need for future purchases. Actually start getting into the infrastructure. What is your offering do to help me run my business more efficiently, with less costs, with less redundancy? Those are the things that at the C-suite level, they're really going over because budgets are getting tighter. Go virtual. How are you using virtual meetings as a weapon? No, seriously. All right. Are you using these things as a weapon? Are you doing virtual town halls? Are you doing virtual advanced training sessions for some of your key users? Using more virtual meetings, getting some people together and having these virtual sessions. 15, 20 minutes. They don't have to be hour or two hour sessions. What can you do to constantly stay in touch, stay in front of, not only your current exec, your current customers, but your current executives as well. As you look at the second half of the year, people are still sitting there going, I don't know what's going on. By having virtual sessions and have people talk to other people in the sessions, you may want to line that up. Six months beyond discussions. ATLs are always meeting to discuss long-term, and you know that. You can help your prospect position for the future. How? Well, what's what's the what's the C-suite? What's the ATL saying about the long term? Are there new markets out there they're going to go after? Are they going to get out of certain markets and reallocate resources? Are there new products coming online? Hunt for trains. And John, first half of the year was great. As you look at the second half, what what are your two or three top initiatives? And and why are those trains in the train station? What's wrong? Right. Put curiosity in front of helping. This is a big deal. We so want to help but we're not curious about what changes our customers are making. And don't forget to time travel as you look at the next six months. Finally, there'll be winners and losers, of course, in a downturn and also some fence centers. Your best customers will buy more because their new plans require it. Get their plans for the rest of the year right now, not here's what I can sell them for the rest of the year. Don't start barking here, don't start woofing. Stop talking about the dog. Your charter is try to get their plans. Every senior executive on the planet has put together a presentation for the second half of the year. Here's what we're going to be doing. Here's how we're going to adjust things, stuff, and so on. Did you get a copy of it? Have you asked for a copy of it? Why not? Have you at least gone over some of these things with some of the senior executives? They've all put the presentation together. They gave it at the executive committee meeting last week or coming up next week. Those things they want to talk about because they're risky, they're changes. Other prospects at industries, of course, will stop buying, you know, reduce your time you spent here. Those are some of the things I think we've heard from people about doing and what they want to do with these changes. 
<clears throat> the best poll we've got is coming up. <clears throat> we do a survey of senior vice presidents and, and VPs of sales every quarter. Um, and we'll be doing that again coming up the next week or two to get a good poll on that. My guess is I, I sent out a LinkedIn the other day. Is this a, a race or an event, right? Should we race to the finish line or is this kind of event? And in my opinion right now, everybody's kind of freezing. That, that whole transition, everybody's kind of like, ugh, stop. You make sure you actually ask for decisions. Control that sales cycle right now because for the next couple of months, business is still open. It definitely is open. Fourth quarter, I guess we'll see. But right now, people are still spending money. If you've got delays, Make sure you get to the ATL and ask them about their business challenges and how you can actually attach to those those trainings rather than just, I'll give you another 10 points if you sign by the end of the week. All right, those are my issues, where I think the things are going from. I'll turn it over to you, Tom. Yeah, so Skip, great stuff. And uh, you, you all heard Skip really use the word cause, and you're gonna hear that word a lot. He also used the word curiosity. Um, we're telling folks, you've got to be more curious. You've, you can't start your sales conversation talking about you. It's got to be a place of asking questions and finding out about them. And so we use this little formula. One of the th easy things to do is, how do I become more curious? How do I increase my curiosity quotient? So I want you to think about this. CQ, which is curiosity quotient, is industry plus title, CXO, plus LinkedIn. So if you think about the three things you can do before you even make a call, the first call, just do these three things all the time. Google the industry and, and the title. I'm telling you, you can't, all you got to do in Google is go, what are the top five problems that this title is having that are occurring in this industry? And you will see a study, you will see a survey, you will see a bunch of information that you can educate yourself on to prepare for that call. Plus, it allows you this opportunity, a great opportunity to go, hey, I just read this study and it says these are the top three issues somebody at your title or in your industry is occurring. Which one of these is most important? Which one are you guys battling? What's what's running on for you? Um, and that's a great way to start a conversation and get get more curious. Second piece is look at the company website. Take a look, what's their mission? What's critical for them? What do they need to fix and solve? A lot of times they're gonna focus in those areas and it's gonna give you some insight into some really strong questions and areas of, hey, tell me more about this. I saw this on your website. Um, and then the last is LinkedIn. Um, I think LinkedIn is a really powerful tool that I still see a lot of salespeople not utilizing as well as they can. You know, the first is you wanna see what do we have mutual connections? Do we have a place where we can have a really powerful conversation early? And uh, also, what are you know what's in it for that person? Skip and I were interviewing a senior level executive, and she mentioned on her LinkedIn, she said that uh, she runs a dog pound and a dog rescue service. And in twenty years, only one salesperson has ever asked her about that what she has on LinkedIn. Now that's critically important for her. And the person who asked it got the meeting and they had a fantastic conversation. So first thing is increase your curiosity quotient, become more curious, ask more questions. Second thing we want to talk about is you heard Skip talk. It's not about the dog. <clears throat> if you've been in any of our M3 programs, this is something we talk about all the time. About six, seven years ago, Skip and his wife, Susan, were looking to buy a dog. Susan wanted a dog that was cute and cuddly and, oh, she wanted to take it for walks and she wanted to, Skip is traveling a lot. Now, Skip had some different rules. Skip definitely wasn't going to travel three states to go find a dog. Skip didn't want to spend a lot of money on the dog. And Skip wanted Susan to have a dog because he travels a lot, but he also kind of wanted to be a hero. And so what Skip found out was that when he was talking to the person who was actually giving them the dog, helping them find the dog. This conversation was not at all about the dog. It's about the value propositions of everyone involved in that conversation. And so if you're talking about the dog, as Skip says, you're woofing, you're barking. We gotta be careful to not 
talk about what who we are, what we do. We've really got to be in that space of what's the value proposition? What do you need to, what are you trying to fix? What are you trying to solve? So remember, it's not about the dog. Next slide is this place of your first conversation is all about discovery. Your first conversation, any first date should not be, hey, let me tell you how great we are. Here's what we do. Um, we see this so many times that the first slide in a present in a presentation is this place of, hey, let me tell you how many locations we've got. Here's our executive team. Here's our list of satisfied clients. The first date is always about discovery. You've got to be in that place of, tell me about you. Now, the customer will push you to education. A lot of times you'll hear things like, yeah, 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 I've already done a bunch of research. Tell me what makes you guys different than these guys? Or why should I think about you? And many times we take the bait. And before you know it, we're barking, we're woofing. Think in terms of that first date is all about, I've got to find your pain. I've got to find your challenges. Next slide. <clears throat> so uh, in that conversation, understand that you're going to be talking to multiple people on these first conversations, right? And in most organizations, the large organizations, there's three levels. There's a below the line, that person that's worried about features and benefits. Typically, those folks operate in a zero to three month time frame. They've been told by their boss, they've got to find a solution. These are what we call typically BTL and their features and benefits buyers. We know this language really well. We can speak this language really, you know, we can speak this powerfully. This is what we've been taught. So most of us love speaking the BTL. But the higher up you get in the organization, the ATL, at the VP level, they're looking to increase revenue or decrease cost. That's the only thing they're responsible for. And so if you're not increasing my revenue or decreasing my cost, why am I even having this conversation? These folks are typically thinking six to 18 months out. They're already planning for 2023. They're possibly even looking at a year from now. Uh, and then the higher up you get in the organization, they're thinking about market share, market size. It's the owner, C-suite. It's the director, uh, the executive VP. These folks are thinking about how big is the sandbox and how do I increase my market share? So as you get above the line, you've got to be in a place of thinking, okay, I can't have a features and benefits conversation. I've got to have an increased revenue, decreased cost market share, market size. I've got to understand what those folks are battling. The biggest thing is on this next slide is we've got to find out what their problem is. How big is it? How big is the problem? What, if you click to the next one, what is costing them dollars? What's costing <clears throat> them time? Possibly what's causing personal issues for them? Maybe it's causing them to look bad in their quarterly meetings. Uh, we worked with a company that sold, um, they sold lubrication for uh, operators. And we heard that the operator's girlfriend would not allow him to drive her in the car because the smell of the lubrication was horrible. Once the salesperson found that out, they were able to say, hey, we can eliminate that issue. You can, your girlfriend can now go in the car with you, right? So there's these conversations. If we find that out, all of a sudden, there's these really powerful places for us to address those issues and go, yes, that's something I can help you with. And then the last thing, maybe the most important thing is, once you find those out, if you had those dollars, if you had that time back, if you didn't have to worry about those personal issues, what would you do with that? What would you do with those dollars and time? Where would you put those? So here's what you're missing. But here's what you also could achieve if you were able to eliminate this problem. And I might be able to help you with that. So what we find is if you can go in and have this conversation about how to address, how to find these problems, and then just be able to say something as simple as, yeah, that's what we do. We help organizations like yours all the time. We help titles like you all the time. You're a chief purchasing officer. That's what we do. Uh, I'd love to have a conversation with you. And learn what you're struggling with, but also share what we're finding other folks be able to do. 
So that's uh, just a quick throwing a bunch of things out in terms of how to find the real customer problems. And then that creates a place where how do I then help a client make decisions faster? And so Thibaut, that's what you're going to take. Yeah, thanks, Tom. That was really good. And uh, the lubrication story was uh, interesting. So, uh, you know, thanks for that. Uh, so now we're going to talk about how to get decisions faster. Um, we talk first, you know, about like, what is a recession? What are the opportunities we have? Um, then we talked about how to go high, you know, to the ATLs and now how we get decisions faster. So that's one thing that I've noticed, you know, doing sales, training a lot of salespeople. Um, the biggest threat or biggest kind of competitor to our deals is the status quo, where, you know, things are not moving because people love to be in that position where things are not changing. Um, and so it's, it's really like something that is extremely powerful. And I can tell you, I understand why. So I'm actually currently planning uh, to move. Uh, so moving into another country and just the changes, all that it brings, the anxiety it brings is really crazy because it's really getting out of your comfort zone. And that's how you understand why people are really uh, against change or really like reluctant to change. So making decisions is really about a few things, three words. The first one is cause, the second one is outcomes, and the third one is decision. So what's really interesting there is very often you hear about qualification frameworks, you hear about very complicated like sales frameworks that allow us to make decisions, close deals, you know, and, and work with our customers. But what I found works extremely well is to always keep in mind that you have these three words where you need to have an answer. So for me, cause is really important. Here's what is causing you to have a conversation with me. So when I'm going into a call, being outbound, inbound, I'm always curious to know why are people here? You know, why are you just spending, I don't know, 10, 15, 30 minutes with me? What's causing you to do that? And whenever you're doing this, you are asking this question, you often get some really interesting uh, answers and replies because people, for example, are just tire kickers. They're just curious about something here or they have a very specific problem. Tom talks about like problems and how to quantify the problems. But for me, it's always, I want to understand what is the underlying problem? Why are we talking here? And, uh, you know, it's just really, what you, call, you could call that the why. Uh, it's really like finding why people are showing up with you. And that's just, just making sure that you understand the cause is a really great, great way to actually run your discovery call because this will allow you to forget about pitching and basically not talk about the dog and just trying to understand with curiosity why are people talking with you. Second one is outcomes. What are the outcomes you're expecting from working with us, using our solution, using our product, or, you know, what are the outcomes you're expecting from our conversation? And these are really important here because these allow you to create a gap. So we love here uh, hunting for trains, uh, which are initiatives, you know, of our customers and prospects, but we also look uh, and love uh, finding, for, uh, finding gaps. So gap is really... What is the situation right now? What is the situation that you want to see? What are the outcomes you want to see? And I love asking these questions because, uh, you know, what is a specific outcome is a really great way to understand, you know, what people want as a result of your solution. And so it's also a great way to use comparative logic and enable this comparative logic. So outcomes is really powerful here. And the last one, which is often the toughest to ask is, when can you make a decision? Uh, when can you make a decision is something when you're talking to ATLs and BTLs is a great question because you'll see, you know, what is driving them to have a conversation with you. I'm having a training session uh, that is planned for, I think, the, you know, we're going to do the kickoff on the 18th of uh, July. And so that's a question, you know, I, I understood this state by asking when they were willing to make a decision. So they say, okay, we have, we want to launch this initiative at this time. And this is when we need to make a decision because we have legal, we have all these things coming. And so asking when can you make a decision is a great way to test the energy of your deal. Because as I said in the introduction, what happens very often is that people talk to you, they go really late in the sales process, and then they just stop it uh, because there's no kind of energy in your deal. And so one thing, one quick tip I want to show you and one thing I want to, I want to share is that in my CRM, uh, I use Notion for that. So it's not really a CRM, but, you know, it's a, just a, a thing we have here. I actually really like to see who are my ETLs, who are my BTL, what's the cause? You know, we talked about problems and then what decision outcomes we want here. So this is always something in my CRM. I'm, I'm going here and as I go through the buy sales process, I'm able to see, okay, what are the people, you know, the, that we have here and and what we want to, you know, what are the decisions, what is the, the cause and what are the outcomes uh, we want. 
So this is like something you can add to your uh, CRM, these three fields, what's causing you to have a conversation with me, what are the outcomes you want, and when can you make a decision? So these are really great way on that. Again, if you have any questions, drop them here uh, in the uh, comments. We already have a bunch of really cool questions here, so that's good. I just want to add something. I think what's uh, so important about what you just said is, you know, we hear so many times that people, their opportunities are going ghost and cause really allows you that opportunity. Even if we haven't talked for two months, it's a place of, hey, remember the first time we talked, you told me this was the problem that you were trying to fix. This is the problem you were trying to solve. And here's what it was costing you. Has anything changed? I mean, cause is really that place. If you find it out, cause is that thing that allows you to to take that energy throughout the whole opportunity throughout the, and we've seen people have great success when things go ghost, they're able to remind them why we were even having this conversation in the first place. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Cause it's really, it's just a great question to ask. It's uh, you get, you learn so much from that. So I think it's a, it's a great thing. And, and it's so different from saying, Hey, here's our office, what we do, what are the awards we want and everything. It's just why are we talking right now? Right. Yeah, when you look up when you look up the definition of the word cause, it actually implies motivation. It implies energy. Something is causing you to do something. I'd like to know what that cause is. And you're gonna dive right into energy when you use that word cause. And you see, we got a question about how do you increase urgency after the demo? It's really all about the cause. It's that space of the cause and the decision. You know, if I found that information out when they need to make a decision, why it's so important. And then you do the you do the demo and you're like, well, this makes sense, right? You want the client to just go, yes, what's the next step? How do I make that? Because I need to solve this problem that we talked about. Absolutely. We have a question here from Mike. What about C-level at less than $100 million uh, company? Would they care about increased revenue, decreased cost as, as well? Yeah, I, I wrote a reply to that. I just said, you know, with smaller companies, reduce cost and increase revenue is critical. I mean, we find that, you know, it's all about cash flow if you're a small company and, you know, the ability to actually make those moves quickly and uh, with impact are, are really, really important. I mean, sometimes it's the difference between keep my doors open and, you know, staying in business, right? Our definition of ATL is they have the ability to rob Peter to pay Paul. They can take money from here and move it there. BTLs typically get budget. And if something's over budget, then they can't do anything. Right now, budgets are kind of on hold. Don't spend the money yet. Don't do those two hires. Budgets are kind of getting on hold while ATLs figure things out. So now it's super critical to get to the ATLs and ask them, as you look at the rest of 2022, where are you moving money around? Are you taking A to B, B to C? Yeah, and what are your risks in doing that? What would cause you to start moving money around? What's going on? I mean, those are great questions. And I absolutely love the question, why would they want to talk to me? I I'm just a salesperson. Right. <laughs> you might have some answers. You might have some direction. You may have some ability. You may know people that can help them. When you start pitching, that's when they start bringing the wall up. So right now is a super time to go after your current customers and just ask them, what are you doing different for 2022? Here's what we've been hearing. You know, I've talked to probably six, seven, eight senior VPs, CROs in the last week or two. And what am I hearing? Our hiring plans are still okay. We may put them on hold. Revenue pipeline's still looking okay. Top of funnel is still a little light. I'd like to do more on outbounding. Definitely the trend of having AEs do outbounding, which they'd rather get their tooth pulled than, than go prospect. But the concept right now is you will see more people try to outbound, especially at the junior and senior AE level. It's gonna be part of their job because they will not make their number just by getting inbound leads. There's no doubt about that one. There's another question from Mike Dawson, who's I often find that when I ask good questions, being curious, ATLs will respond with, I don't see how this is relevant topic because they don't understand how that uh, how they can help with those challenges. What's the balance of providing enough context on the value our product provides uh, products provide to make our curiosity relevant? 
how can you provide value if you don't know what the freaking problem is? Bingo. I mean, you know, I, I wonder if it's relevant. Thank you very much. But if I don't know what your problems are, I don't know if I can be relative or not. That's a good freaking point. I don't know if I can be relative. As Mary, you look at the next three, six months, what are your initiatives and what are some of your roadblocks? What are some of your challenges? If you want to lay those out, where do you see your biggest risk? Where do you see your biggest initiatives? Where do you see, and the whole, on a scale of one to 10, making your goals, where are you? Seven. Where do you want to be? 10. Well, there you go. There's a comparative gap. What do you need to do to get from a seven to a 10? And once you tell me what you're going to think about doing, I can tell you if I can help. But boy, you do not want to be a solution hunting for a problem. That turns off every ATL on the planet. And the way to position that, if you if you listen closely to what Skip said earlier, is we've been talking to these folks, senior VPs of sales. You've been having these conversations with the VPs, with people like you. You say that, you make that comment. And we're hearing, this is what we're hearing. Are you experiencing that issue? Are you experiencing, which one of those issues is most important for you? Yeah, no, those are my issues. Let me tell you what my issues are. At least you're Bingo. in the ballpark. Yeah. Yeah, you establish credibility by showing that you've done some research and that you've actually worked in that industry or with that title. And then that gives you the ability to kind of have the conversation that Skip just talked about. Nope, that's not the, my problem, but this is my problem. Or yeah, this problem is huge for me. A question from Yadu, how do we get all the relevant ATL stakeholders to the same level of urgency? Yeah, that's the question, right? Uh, I, go ahead, Tibo. Go ahead, Tibo. Tibo, what do you think? Yeah, Tibo, what do you what do you do? So how do we get, you know, so I would understand, you know, why you wouldn't want them to get to the same level of urgency. Uh, so Yadu, maybe if you can clarify a bit on that. Uh, but guys, any tool you're thinking of? For what, that? I, what, what I find, yeah, here we go. Yeah. What I find is there's always an alpha dog. There's yeah. always yeah. somebody who the problem really rests at, the final decision, right? Governments are democracies, businesses are not. So somebody's got, you know, tattooed on their forehead, I've got the PL for this. It's, it's going to affect my PL the biggest. When I used to be at executive board meetings, right? If some change was made, you know, as soon as I said that's going to affect revenue by five points, 10 points, all of a sudden that was kind of like the alpha dog because yeah. it affected whatever the change was affected me the most. So number one, find out who the alpha dog is. And it's not personality. It's based upon if some change is being made, whose P&L is it going to affect the most? Because that's, you know, I'm going to lose five headcount. I'm going to get five headcount. Well, you want to talk to the person who's going to get five headcount, not the person who's going to lose five headcount. So if you got like a whole bunch of ATLs, there's typically uh, somebody's running that train. It's in that train station and it's typically based upon money. Also would not hurt you to make sure that you're having some, at least maybe a survey or some sort of conversation with the other ATLs that are in that place. Yeah. Hey, this, I know this is what uh, is being, what we're talking about here, but how is this issue affecting you? You've got to, because a lot of times there's going to be a silent person in that room who might be, yeah, I'll pick it up there, Tom. to push back. Fred, Debbie, Barnes, looking forward to our meeting on Tuesday. Could you answer these three or four questions yeah. so I can make sure we're relevant for the meeting and then start the meeting off with, here's the results of the quick survey that you guys have taken. And the, the people who it affects the most will definitely be the ones who speak, speak the loudest. Right. Yeah. Yeah, love that mini survey monkey, you know, a little survey you do of the ATLs before the meeting or, or any meeting you have. It's a great way to get relative and create transfer of ownership. Um, Elaine is also asking how many steps would you think a call outreach should have and what would you put as key points? So mm -hmm. this is a really big topic. I have like a few options. So for me, it really depends on the size of the market, who you're going after. If you have low hanging fruits, I would go for four to six touch points over multiple channels like email, call, LinkedIn. Um, Skip, I know you're not a huge fan of low hanging fruits because they are low and everyone can actually catch them. So if you want to be more proactive and go after specific accounts, you can think of more 10, 12 touch points. Um, again, you know, maybe think about one to two business days between each touch point. Maybe you can do calls the same day you're doing, you're doing you know, some uh, emails. And again, there's the big five, you know, we have curiosity. Guys, help me on that. We have curiosity. What else do we have? I know, Tom, you're talking about that a lot. 
Well, curiosity, I mean, definitely curiosity. Uh, it's got to be all about them, right? That space of this conversation. We can't bark like the dog. Um, I mean, really, it's the pieces that w- we've talked about, you know, that place of understanding the sales process. Um, we know that most people, I mean, now it used to be you could have a single threaded conversation, but most sales conversations today are multi-threaded. There's more than one person involved. And if you're only talking ATL, there's a very good chance that your BTL can block the deal. And if you only have a relationship BTL, then your ATL might go, oh, we do business this. And and so you've got to be able to work and function across all of those threads. Um, And that's probably the biggest challenge. And even when you're communicating in this 4.6 point, 8 point, whatever, however many touch points you're doing, uh, if it's all about just, hey, what do you think about the last message I left? You've got to be building a story that is about cause. You've got to be building a conversation that brings them to a point of, okay, yeah, this makes sense for me to have a conversation with you. Perfect. Carter, here, thoughts on verbiage around bringing up timeline slash decision. When can you make a decision? Feels like more of a direct ask, whereas when are you looking to make a decision by? puts the ball more in their court and can leave it open. How do you balance the ask versus understanding where they are in the in their evaluation? Well, Skip, what would you say to that? That's a that's an interesting question. Thoughts on verbiage around when you can make a decision. Feels more like a direct ask. When are you like, well, th- yeah. that, see, that's yeah. the problem, okay? The problem is you're taking ownership to this. You, you, what you're saying is, when you're going to make a decision about my stuff, right? It's not about your stuff. It's about the outcomes they're trying to get to. John, you're telling me right now you're, you're about 70% of goal and you want to get to 80% by the end of the third quarter. When do you plan on making a decision on some of the changes you're making to try to get there? And I'll try to be a piece of it. It's about their stuff. John, you just told me that you're going to get, you know, you want to get your salespeople to prospect 30% more. When do you plan on making a decision on taking that first step? Because if you're going to take that first step, I think we can be a piece of that. So it's not about a decision on our stuff. Woof. It's about a decision on, okay, you've said you're here. You want to get here. When do you plan on making a decision that you're going to go forward with this thing that we can be a piece of? We are not the entire train. We are not the entire solution box B. We are a piece of it. If you're dealing with BTLs, you're the whole answer. So when are you going to make a decision on my stuff? Probably that makes sense. But at the ATL, it's about, John, you've mentioned you're going to make this change. You're going to hire two people. You're going to come up with that new product line. You know, we could be a piece of that as well. When do you plan on making a decision on going forward with this new initiative that you've got? So let's make sure we're outward focused on these questions, not related to my stuff. I mean, then it becomes very woofy and very barky. And watch how fast you get pushed down to the BTO. I'm also, Skip, I'm a big fan of how. How do you guys make decisions here? What does that decision-making process look like here? And so the more I understand that, the more I might be able to help a BTL actually move that across the finish line. As long as you're not asking the question, who? Yeah, right. Yeah. Who besides you, Mark, is making the decision? Because you're an idiot. Uh, Who is very attacking? So you don't want to go after the who, you definitely want to either go after the what or the how. Yeah. And then we have a question. Uh, I asked this already, but what if you have the solution that's actually more expensive than your competitors from Chelsea? So what do we do here? Stop, stop, stop. (laughs) Give me a gun, give me a gun. It's about the size of the problem. If they've got a 2 million euro, $2 million problem a month, and you're offering 20 grand and your competitors 30 grand or their, your competitors 10 grand, right? Who does the customer feel like they've been heard? We all have got deals. And I think I either talked to you, Tebow, or you, Tom, who was it that said, you know, we're 20 grand, the competitors 10, but yeah. they felt heard about it. I mean, you know, they sit back and say, you know, we can go with the cheaper solution, but it's a $2 million problem. And, you know, I'm not going to, you know, mince nickels here. I, the, those people over there, they heard us. They know exactly what we're trying to do. They heard us. Everyone's got a deal that you lost that you know all you did was pitch and the customer didn't feel heard. So it's not about sitting there going, you know, our competitor's cheaper. Nine times out of 10, 99 times out of 100, 
if you're at the ATL, it's about risk. And if I know you heard me, that's worth 10, 20 points. Is it worth double? I don't know. But is it worth 10, 20 points in a heartbeat? Plus, if this is a big problem and it's something you have to fix and you have to solve, do you really want to risk the solution here? That's the big piece is, you know, you might want to actually go with somebody that's, we do this all the time. We've, we've worked with companies just like yours. Sometimes that space of being the least is not a powerful place. And Tom, that I just, Tom, I just, I just built a tree house with my, my son and grandson, yeah. right? And the wood was really splintery and stuff. So it was time I had to go buy a sander, right? I bought one of the best sanders. Because I'm not risking me doing something with a cheap sander and getting splinters in my fingers for an extra 20 bucks. I mean, so I bought a really good sander. I mean, I, I try to buy good things knowing that, you know, the size of the problem. Now, if it yeah. was just a little thing like that, I could have probably gotten away with a cheap thing. But it was a freaking treehouse. So it's the size of the problem that's going to generate the size of the solution. Yeah. And on that, you should actually go and sign up for Proactive Sundays, where we talk about that. There's the uh, mattress story. Uh, <laughs> That's a true story, too. So right. if you love that, uh, Skip is actually... The printer story, the mattress story. We've got a bunch of stories, yeah. yeah. There's so many stories. You know, it's always about that, the size of the problem. We have, like, uh, Mike, last question we take. Problem is I have an offer uh, of analysis that is critical for ATS, and BTS feel threatened by it. Uh, may make them look like they're infective, but ATS want to push it down to BTS. Thoughts? I have thoughts on that. Go the thing here is homework assignment. So what's happening, you know, and you know what we're doing is proactive selling. What's happening is that very often we go, we talk to the ATLs, we're very excited, deal has energy, and then they say, go talk to my BTL. And then we go to the BTL and they just basically push us for next steps and ends up, you know, we end up basically being ghosted. That happens to me all the time with sales enablement. When actually I'm not proactive, people say, hey, BPA wants to work with me, talk with sales enablement, and then I get blocked because I'm training people and sales enablement also often that they they have they they feel like they have to do it, so they feel threatened. But a thing that works really well is instead of saying, okay. Um, instead of letting people, letting ATLs come up with next steps, I say, okay, here are next steps that I need. I need to have like two, three interviews with uh, some of your top performing salespeople and lowest performing salespeople. And basically when I'm done with that, I can come back to you with them. When you do that, you have so much more energy and control of your deal. So that's what I would do. When you're afraid that the offer, solution you offer to your ATL will make the BTL look bad, just go be proactive and ask for some homework assignment. Yeah, I love that. And help the BTL look good, right? Sometimes that's yeah. the space of, hey, I'm, I'm going to work with you to help you look good. But at the same time, I'm continuing to have the conversation with the above the line person that I've been, that I started the conversation with. Hey, had a great meeting with Jim, wanted to fill you in on what we talked about, what I learned. Here's how we're proceeding. Just wanted to keep you in the loop. Yeah, exactly. And so to actually finish that up, we're going to do a quick poll. Last poll for everyone. Uh, you know how it works. We just go here, you scan the QR code, and you're going to tell us what are you going to apply from this workshop. So tell us everything about that. Ah, that's good. Close outcomes decision. Love it. At least they heard the thing about me that, that I was saying. So that's good. Yeah. Good. No dogs. Call higher. Yeah. I think we're more cat people here at M3 Learning, right? <laughs> well, everybody knows what a train is. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up, Thibault. Yeah, cool. So keep keep typing. Um, and so while we are actually there, we have one last thing we want to talk about. If you liked what you heard, we have a quick online course, which is called Proactive Discovery, where we really deep dive into turning virtual discoveries into mutual action plan. 
And so if you're interested in checking this course, it's all online, self-paced. You have some homework assignment in there, some videos. You can go and check the course on enterlearning.com slash proactive discovery. I'm actually going to just drop it in the, um, in the chat. You can go and check it out. If you have questions about it, you know, you're curious to know how, what it is about, just contact either Tom, Skip, or I, um, or me actually, and I'm going to drop our link or uh, LinkedIn, where you can actually contact us. Just connect with us right now, send us an invitation, connection request, and then we'll be super happy to uh, answer and if, if, and if you guys have got emails that you're sending to above the line folks that yeah. aren't getting any traction, send them to us. We will be happy to redline. Again, it's one opinion, but we're happy to, 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 to take a stab at that. You know, my customers, Tebow's, we, we all think our customers are telling me they're getting 30, 35% plus response rates for, on, on ATL messaging. So, you know, it's it's worth it. Just send us what you got. And if we have time, we'll, I'm sure we'll find it. Um, we'll, we'll redline some ideas for you and send it back. So happy to help. And the last thing, yep. we share a lot of content. Uh, we post regularly on LinkedIn. Uh, we're sharing a lot of content, a lot of these conversations. So uh, let's make sure we're all connected. And uh, we really appreciate you spending spending the last 50 minutes with us. Yep. Thank you very much for, for your attention. And you're going to have the recording in your mailbox. And uh, yeah, just add us on LinkedIn. Questions, anything, you can find us on LinkedIn. So thanks, everyone. Thanks, Tom. And thanks, Steve. guys. Thanks for listening to that episode. If you like what you hear and you want to explore more, I invite you to join the Selling Advantage community. It's a paid community we're running with Skip Miller, where you're going to get access to a content library with training, checklist, and exclusive resources. You'll also get access to our experimentation swipe file and a Discord group with 150 tech sales people. We also have online events where we invite special guests, a regular Ask Us Anything, and our content is focused on sales for North America and EMEA. If you want to check it out, go to sellingadvantage.io or click on the link in the show notes and you'll be able to sign up. 